Greetings and welcome back to HMB Live. I trust that you are having a wonderful week. Here we are at the end of February and uh, spring is actually coming. And uh, I know that we're all thrilled with that. Midwest has absolutely had savage winter, but even as uh, that has been reality, we've also experienced the goodness of God. And, and uh, even as I was looking over trees that had been destroyed and damaged by ice storms, I, I got to thinking about an old song that we used to sing that said, count your many blessings, name them one by one, count your many blessings, see what God has done. And the Lord has truly been good to all of us, and uh, I celebrate and rejoice in His goodness. It's always good to hear from you, and uh, as we started in January, this is going to be an ongoing series of leadership training that you can use, uh, you can use it in your church, you can take the notes that are available on the website, you can tweak them, transition them, make them your own. Uh, we want this to be a resource that is available for leadership development for the local church. I'm going to be talking this week and a month from now in my leadership training session about uh, becoming a person of influence and, and how people of influence arrive at that. And I think, I think it's wise that we start with uh, a question, and the question is this, can one person make a difference? And I, I think that reverberating from all over North America there would come uh, the resounding answer, yes, one person can make a difference. I, I think that when we open the pages of, of Holy Scripture that it's clear that repeatedly one person makes a difference. I think it's illustrated in, in, in our modern times. I, I was reading a bit of the biography of, of um, a recent basketball great by the name of Michael Jordan. And his biographer said that not only was Michael Jordan an outstanding athlete, but he was also an effective leader. Uh, whenever the Chicago Bulls, that was the team that Jordan played for, whenever they would have their scrimmages within their team, uh, the first team started out in white uniforms and, and uh, the second team was in red uniforms and first team, second team would play against each other. And, and um, the biographer said that uh, as this game was being played, that, that the first team, the white team, would always get far ahead of the second team. And whenever they would be seven or eight points ahead in this, in this game, and it would almost be over, Michael Jordan would have the coach put him on the second team. And more often than not, the second team, with Michael Jordan playing as the only change, would turn around and defeat the first team, not simply because of his athletic prowess, although I'm certain that made a real difference, but he also had the ability to influence others to make them better than what they were without him being there. One person does make a difference. One person can make a very real difference. Now, I think that from the perspective of the church, it's essential, my uh, friends, that we realize this is our day. This is our time. Uh, Jesus told Judas and those who were out in the garden to capture him, this is your hour and the power of darkness. But 
uh, I think something is also said there that, that there is another hour, and this hour belongs to the church. This hour belongs to Almighty God. This is our time. I have not been born into another era. I have not been born into another season. Somehow, God wanted you, and He wanted me to live in the complex hour that we are in right now. It's, it's, it's not enough that I pine away for the way things used to be, or that I aspire to something that's in the future, or that I want to have some, some level of spiritual maturity maybe that I don't currently have. John wrote uh, in, in 1 John, and he, he is talking about the future. He says, I don't know what the future holds in some regards, but this is one thing he declares. Behold, now you are the sons of God. It, it doesn't appear what you shall be, but today you are the sons of God. Right here at this very moment, whenever you read the rest of his writing, he's, he's talking about uh, or he's communicating with little children. It's to new converts that he is addressing himself. I, I'm saying that to say this. This unique moment calls for unique strategies. It calls for us to respond to the challenge of the time and for us to reach out. I, I enjoy visiting uh, the Amish communities that are scattered around North America. One writer said that those Amish people who have chosen to live their lives basically frozen in the 1830s have made a decision not to live in this time. They have made a decision to live in the past. My question for myself, my question for all of us is what moment in history are we going to live? I don't believe that God has chosen us by accident to be where we are at this moment in time. Now, if we're truly going to shape, if we're going to influence, if we're going to impact the culture of the world around us, which is what I think you want to do, becoming an influence, becoming a leader in your local church, becoming a leader in your local community, becoming a ministerial leader within the body of Christ. There are some, there are some essential ingredients, there are some criteria that cannot be ignored. The first is this, there has to be a passion in you that compels you to action. Uh, young Abraham Lincoln stood and he watched uh, a slave auction one day and it absolutely made him sick to his stomach and birthed within him a passionate white hot fire and he said to himself that's wrong and when I get the chance I'll hit it and I'll hit it hard. That passion did not diminish, it didn't go away, it, it led to him probably being uh, the impact, the influence that he became. Passion gave him that clearly defined reason for living. Jesus, in a similar sense, said that if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily. What he was really saying to his disciples was, can, can you really follow me? Everybody wants to sit at the head table at the banquet, but does anybody else want to take the towel in hand and wash the dusty feet? Everybody wants to participate in the miracles of, of bread and loaves being multiplied, but does anybody want to ascend that lonely hill alongside him? It was so barren and ugly that 
that uh, they had even called it the place of the skull. Does anybody really want that? You see, Jesus was saying there has to be a passionate commitment. There has to be this, this, this passion. Uh, in one of Kierkegaard's writings, he said, what I really lack is to be clear in my mind what I am to do, not what I am to know. The thing is to understand myself, to see what God really wishes me to do, to find the idea for which I can live and for which I can die. It's passion. It's that settling. It, it's that soul on fire. It's that determination that's, that's within you that says, this, this is my reason. This is my destiny. And it, it's not simply to be a historian, to preserve the past, but it is to create, it is to move us toward the future. Now, let me give you some facts about passion, and these may uh, be interesting to you, you may agree with them or even disagree. The first is this, uh, passion cannot be worked up. Um, as I get a little older, I'm not sure there's such a thing as, as lasting extrinsic motivation. All true motivation has to come from within. Um, You've you got to have something inside you that's, that's driving you. Um, there, there's no such thing as hand-me-down passion. Now, I may be on fire and affect the next fellow and cause a fire to come into his life, but uh, it's got to become his fire. and He's got to tend it, and he's got to stir it, and he's got to keep it alive. Passion cannot be worked up. The second is this. Passion grips a person's mind. It's what you think about. It's what you dream about. It, it's what wakes you up at night. It's what consumes you. It's what fills your notepad. It's what um, occupies your, your computer space. It's, 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 it's a consuming thing. Third thing I observe is this, that passion is what people talk about. What they're passionate, people talk about. Um, athletic events. A few days there will be um, a great gathering of people who will celebrate a national basketball championship. For people who that is their obsession, it's what they talk about. For people for whom the stock market or, or a particular automobile or, or, or NASCAR, whatever the case would be, whatever their passion is, it's, it's what comes out of their mouth. It's what they discuss. It's, it's the subject and the topic of their conversation. Fourth observation I make about passion is this. Passion that is not channeled will quickly dissipate. You have to put boundaries. You have to put borders. One, one of the great challenges that I uh, see as a pastor and also in the role of life that I'm in now is that, is that um, the, the influence will be spread so far and you find yourself trying to do so many different things that you become ineffective at just about all of them. Passion has got to have channels. It's got to, it's got to have a focus. It's got to have an end result. And the final thing I would say about passion is that passion without action is just a dream. There are some of you today that you, you have been mandated of God to make a difference, to build the greatest children's ministry in the church that you are part of, to, 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 to raise the youth ministry in that church to another level, to, uh, to be a soul winner like that congregation has never seen. 
so far it's just been a dream. You, you've, you, you, you've drawn it out in your mind and, and all of that. It's time for action. It's time for your passion to lead you to do something. If you will be an influencer of others, you're going to do it because you have an essential passion. Okay, the second thing is this. People who will influence others don't shortcut preparation. Preparation is vital to effectiveness. I, I read about uh, a farmer who hired a young man as a farmhand to work on his farm, and, and the fellow had never worked on the farm, but he told the farmer, I can do whatever needs to be done, and I can sleep when the wind blows. And the farmer really didn't understand what he was saying, and uh, just kind of, whatever the reason, he hired him. And uh, it wasn't many weeks until there was a great storm, and the wind was blowing, and and uh, howling, and, and uh, the, the trees were blowing, and all the rest, and and uh, the farmer awakens to go out to the little apartment where the farmhand is living, and, and uh, he bangs on the door and discovers that the farmhand is asleep. It takes him time to, to get up, and uh, he is, he's a bit angry that he can't get this fellow to help him. But when he goes out to the barn, he discovers that all of the doors are locked tightly, that the hay that is going to be used over the next few days has been secured with a tarpaulin, that the livestock is in the place that it's supposed to be and it's very secure. The farmhand had made the preparation. He could sleep when the wind blew. Preparation is essential in moments of crisis. Um, uh, I think as Daryl John said, you will never be more effective than your resources. The books you own, the material you have in files, the stuff you have in computer databases, uh, the compilation of materials. Guess what? The storm's going to come. And it's in the time when the storm comes that your preparation is going to determine whether you can rest well, anticipate with preparation. Now, I, I, I'm not a painter or a paper hanger, but I have pastored enough of those fellows to have discovered that they spend more time in preparation of a wall than they do in actually painting or hanging wallpaper. Preparation done right is, is invisible. You don't ever see it. But if they don't do the right preparation, then it becomes very clearly visible. Same's true in your being influential in other lives. Um, if you do the preparation, nobody will ever even know it was done won't be any attention given to it. But if you don't give the preparation, then guess what? It becomes very noticeable. We don't like preparation time. We, we like being on the platform. We like the big events. We like the, but, but the truth of the matter is we're made by our preparation. We're shaped by our preparation. There are two components to it. One is there's the slow process of the water that builds up behind the dam and the electrical generators slowly move, and, and it's a slow, creeping, moment-by-moment -moment process. And then there is a second aspect of it, and that's when there is suddenly a crescendo of change, and the dam breaks, and, and uh, the generators, they pick up the momentum, and, and there is this, this 
transition. There is this transfer. Now, we, we like the crescendo moments. We like the moment when, and the year maybe, when, when you go from having 15 people in church to, to walking in and there being 40 there. You, you like the time when there is such an expansion. and Wow. But the reality is that if we don't have the slow process of preparation, then we never have the second either. Both of them are vital. What are you doing to prepare yourself? What are you doing to uh, equip yourself to be influential? Let me give you three things and, and then we're done. The first is this, and it should go without saying, and uh, I feel almost bad to say it, and then I feel almost bad not to give it more time than what I'm going to give to it, but there has to be some preparation in prayer. Uh, I'm assuming that this is a prayerful audience. If you're not, then everything else I've said goes on the back shelf until you find that as a point of application in your life. Do you, do you hear what I'm saying? You have to do the preparation. The, the second thing is that preparation involves the pursuit of wisdom. Uh, I, I see pretty often what I call young men in a hurry. And I've been there. But you can work hard or you can work smart. You work hard and work smart. Preparation, that, that, that wisdom, that sense of knowing what to do next, of knowing what the priorities are, of what needs to be addressed at a given moment, that's, that's essential. The preparation of understanding, of wisdom, recognizing what resources are needed in order to accomplish a particular thing. The third thing that we don't give any time to is this. Part of preparation is establishing a track record of credibility. Now, credibility comes through self-discovery. It comes through recognizing that you are unique, that other people are unique, and that God has made them what they are, that you validate and value them at the level of their gifting and at the place that God has given them to work. Thank God everybody doesn't want to work in the kindergarten Sunday school class. Thank God that everybody doesn't want to go and start a church in the same community of 5,000 people. Now, that does not diminish the value of the person who wants to work with kindergarten or work in the nursery or the person who is starting the church where there is a town of 5,000. That doesn't diminish it at all. But it is finding that acceptance and appreciation of oneself and others. Credibility is not based on how much you can talk in tongues or how much you can run the aisles. Credibility is based on relationship. And it doesn't take much. I, I, I pastored folks who uh, they could give tongue and interpretation with the best of them, but they had no credibility when it came to their dealings with other people. If you're going to be influential in the church, if you're going to be influential in the community, you've got to have credibility. You've got to pay your bills. Your word's got to be good. You've got to do what you said you would do. Your promises are things you've got to come through with, and you've got to be forthright. You cannot be dishonest. Times you'll be misunderstood. There'll be times when things don't work right. Now, if you're part of a group that's uh, listening to this lesson together, I'd like for you to uh, just 
turn this off for a moment, pause it, however you can do it. And I'd like for you to discuss how you can go about preparing yourself for the leadership role or the role of ministry that you feel passionate about. Okay, two things are involved there. What's your passion? What are you passionate about? And number two, preparation. How do you go about preparing yourself? Next month, we're going to talk about uh, two more P's in the pod, if you please, of, uh, of becoming this person of influence. Great things are happening in North America. This has been a wonderful year for Christmas for Christ and for home missions overall. In a few days, we will be addressing uh, the largest number of Christmas for Christ applicants that we've had in a long time to celebrate our home missionaries and remind you that the greatest things happening in North America are happening in home missions.